Wisconsin Public Radio. It's Newsmakers. I'm Ezra Wall. And today on the show, we're talking all about books. In particular, for those of you who might have made a reading resolution for 2023, we want to get you kicked off in fine fashion. So we're going to talk about that today. And we have Barry McKnight from the La Crosse Public Library and Beth Hartung from Pearl Street Books in La Crosse, both with us to talk about uh, what they're reading and what they might recommend if you yourself are looking for a book in 2023. And of course, there'll be plenty of time for us to find out what's going on at the library and what's going on at Pearl Street Books. First of all, Barry, happy 2023 to you. No, thank you. Happy 2023. And yeah, thanks for having us. And Beth, welcome to Newsmakers and thanks for joining us today. Hi, Ezra. Thanks for having me. I'm so pleased to be here talking with you about books. Yeah, it's exciting. So, um, so let's jump right in. A lot of people have resolved to read uh, to read more in 2023. They might have uh, done the, the trendy thing of either I'm going to do a book a week or, you know, a book a month if you're a slow reader like me or, or, or whatever, but they've set some kind of goal and it's still a new goal because as we're taping this, it's, it's like the second week, third week of January. So we're still in, uh, we're still in good shape as far as our goals go. But I'm I'm interested in finding out, like from your perspective, uh, start with you, Beth. What what makes a good book? Oh, that's that's a great question. Um, for me, a good book is the opportunity to get a, gain an experience that I wouldn't gain otherwise. So it's it's that window and mirror. It's that opportunity to go someplace else, meet somebody new, experience something that you know is going to teach me or make me think a little bit differently or just um, change me in some way and Touch my heart. So that's what makes a good book. Oh. What about you, Barry? Well, that was a great, great answer. That's right? the, maybe the best answer. But I, I, the only thing I would add to it would be, um, you know, uh, certainly for myself and, and uh, you know, other folks, we're often so kind of fatigued and the news can often be fairly bleak or uninspiring. And, you know, there's something about, at least for myself, I just, I love to kind of escape and like, you know, to experience something different, to, uh, you know, just sort of uh, exercise my mind and my imagination. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was wondering which direction to take this conversation. If I, if, if in fact I was going to recommend a book to somebody, how, how do you determine whether to lean more into the escapism that's available through literature or more into either like education or social action or some other kind of, uh, some other kind of thing. So let's, let's talk about, um, when you're talking with somebody either at the library or in your store bath, uh, what makes, um, how do you help that person determine, uh, what might be the right avenue what might be the right avenue for their interests? Barry, you want to start with this one? Sure. I'd say, you know, um, I'll, for example, I read a lot of um, like sci-fi and fantasy. And I have a particular soft spot, as Beth knows, because I certainly uh, do some shopping uh, at her bookstore. Uh, but I have a soft spot for like some of those old vintage uh, sci-fi from the 60s and 70s. You know, these small paperbacks that I remember from uh, a kid visiting a bookstore and a spinner rack with all those titles. But, you know, one of the great things for really all genre fictions today is there's so many new voices and new perspectives 
and it can be the the genre you loved but you can really start to hear some different voices and and um yeah so i kind of try to suss out folks if they're are they looking for a new experience or looking for just the old comfort or do they want something that maybe just would would push their their tastes or experience a little bit beth how do you help people who who might not be looking for a specific thing but they're just I, I want to read something else and I don't know where to go. I think it's what, as Barry said, or as you introduced the, the concept of it is to find out what kind of experience they want. Are they looking to escape just a fun escape where they don't have to think much, just, you know, be away from reality for a little while and have fun. Or do they want to learn something? Do they want to learn something new? Do they want to learn something more about something? It's really about, trying to identify what that reader wants from this book in front of them. So is there a, a kind of book that uh, maybe you can see them coming a mile away? Somebody's looking at walking in with their new year's resolution, Beth, and, and uh, you know, they're going to be looking for a book. Is there a kind of book they're more likely to be looking for this time of the year? I think there's a lot, a lot of people are looking for personal growth books right now, wanting to um, grow themselves, um, become clean out their house, make it more organized, have a better, healthier diet, start planting their garden. Things like that are really hot right now. There's also a lot of people that want to read BIPOC authors. And so helping them identify which author they want to read, um, which new is new and coming or somebody who's maybe more classical. Right. We're selling a lot of books like that as well. Yeah, I'd say it's kind of the the same case. And, you know, certainly for myself, I'm one of those uh, can't be satisfied with just one book. So I usually have like kind of four I'm working on and, you know, some I'll, I'll uh, make faster progress with than others, but, um, I like to balance it out. So, uh, non, uh, nonfiction versus fiction, um, people coming in, you know, with, I think with, um, you know, like Beth said this time of year, it's all about personal growth. So it's going to be, they got to get organized. They want to lose that last 10 pounds or they want to work on maybe, wellness or something like that. That's really maybe this time of year, every year, it's always, that's always the big thing. The, po the post-resolution uh, work people want to do, right? Yeah. People thought they they thought their resolution was a good idea and now they're yeah. like, oh no, I need <laughs> help. Like, it's like homework. You right? guys are yeah. like, in, in a lot of ways for people who don't have like regular counselors or whatever, you might be like their, their first cry for help. Well, we call yeah. ourselves book tenders at Pearl Street Books. Yeah. Book like tenders. Oh, I like that. Book tenders. You each have different different uh, uh, approaches to uh, freshening up the inventory or whatever. I mean, I know you can't just keep a library book there forever if nobody's using it. Uh, and, and Beth, I know the goal is... Uh, to get things to march off the shelves in your store as well. So how do you decide what what to go find, what to what to keep, what to you know find an, another life for? Kind of for libraries, it's it's um it's kind of a multi stage process. So yeah, you're right. We we don't necessarily keep things forever. There's an idea of having kind of a core collection or keeping certain things uh, kind of just in case. But we do look quite a bit at, you know, usage. And if something hasn't been checked out in, you know, five plus years, um, why? Why not? You know, is there a newer version of that or a newer alternative that's more popular? Um, so we do 
that's a process in libraries called weeding. Um, so you kind of, you know, pull out that and the idea is just like, you know, with anything else, you're kind of cleaning out the weeds so that the sunlight can come down on the rest of it. Um, and then we try, we're trying to replace with relevant current titles. You know, another factor of it too is, is things, things change. The conversation, the national or cultural conversations change, the language changes. So maybe what had been a great book about a certain subject might now have problematic language or just its take on something might not quite be what we're, um, people are looking for right then. So we do also look at, you know, is there a better version of things? We continually kind of look at the collection and and try to have it evolve and and reflect uh, demand in the community. Is that where it pro primarily comes from? Is like, I mean, if 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 a lot of people are interested in in a title or a subject, you'll find books on it. I mean, I know libraries are huge, like free speech advocates, and and yet you can't literally keep everything. It's always tough. I mean, no, actually, it's a, it's sort of a running joke in the field about, you know, I think everybody went into libraries, they want to hold on to every book, but you just, you just can't, you know, yeah. even if you have a larger library, like the Cross Public Library, there's just only so much space. And um, so it's always that kind of, yeah, it is that tough balance, you know, I've had to weed things that, oh, I look at it and say, oh, I wish I could have kept it, but nobody's touched it in, you know, seven years and it's not, you know, maybe it's going to do somebody some good when it, you know, goes to a used bookstore or to one of the friends of the library, have a book sale or something like that. I'm going to put maybe you on just, the, I'm going to put you on the spot. Like, is, is there an example you can think of that was like particularly painful? Gosh. Um, well, yeah, I'd say that, you know, when I used to, this isn't my original career. So I used to be in higher ed and I used to teach history. So that's a, a great example of like, there's a number of works that, you know, maybe aren't don't need to kind of take up quite as much oxygen, so to speak, if you're trying to give, you know, clear room for kind of different voices, especially of people of color, color and things like that. So, yeah, I'd say, you know, um, I just weeded one. It was about like mountain men. I can't remember the title, but I was like, it was an old book. I mean, it had probably been here like 20 years and it had certainly been checked out in like, you know, eight or nine. I was like, oh, it's probably the only book like this around, but no, it, it went. Gotta go. Gotta go. What yeah. about, what about you, Beth? Is there, you talked earlier about almost putting that book in the free box and, uh, and, yeah. and thankfully somebody, somebody wanted it and showed an interest in it. Is has there been a, a, a book that you have put in the free box that you just thought, oh, it's too bad. It's too bad. Nobody wants this one yet. Yeah, I mean, we just right now in, in our free box, we have a bunch of Dick Francis um, mysteries, and he's a good writer. His, his, I like his mysteries a lot. I, I enjoyed them a lot in my 20s and 30s, but I haven't sold a Dick Francis novel and well, since I've owned the store and probably before that. So we just put them right under the table for hopefully somebody with a limited budget or um, we'll be able to just take that home for free and still read it and keep it out of a landfill. Yeah. So yes, I mean, there's no bad book, right? Um, but we just don't have room for them all. Barry? Yeah, one other thing I kind of forgot to mention. So we were part of the Winding Rivers Library System yeah. here in La Crosse. So that's a, a five-county system. It's like 32 libraries. We share a catalog. So that's also part of that. Like, you know, just, just a great example is those Dick Francis titles. So we look, is this book available elsewhere? Can somebody can somebody request it from another library and have it brought here? We do that, too. That's the way not every library, especially like smaller uh, libraries, you know, around the five counties, 
they can't have everything on their shelves either. So maybe they're what they have in stock is leaning more towards, you know, like the Dick Francis or paperbacks or something like that. And maybe for some of these other titles, which maybe they wouldn't have a huge demand for in their community, people can still get it, have it brought to their community, read it and, and return it. So that's always kind of a factor too. We try to think not just about lacrosse, but about kind of the, the broader library system. Okay. So if something is, is maybe it's on your borderline but there are maybe two other available copies in those five count in, in the winding rivers library system. Maybe that helps your decision-making process go a little bit more smoothly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And because we try to encourage that, you know, anybody can request a, a book or other material from any library in the system, get it sent to the one they want, read it or view it, return it and get sent back. So it's really not like you have one library. It's like you got 30 libraries. Well, and, and we'll talk about um, a lot of the different ways that you can access materials through the library uh, later in the cool. show, uh, apps and all kinds of interesting things. Um, Beth, I, I know uh, there's there are major online retailers that, that um, have over the years cut a chunk into independent bookstore sales, but there are, uh, there are other options available for people to support independent bookstores too. But I'm, I'm wondering about Barry's talk about like interlibrary loan reminded me uh, of a question I wanted to ask you when somebody comes in and is, is looking for a title, like, is, is there a way that you can just like go to some sort of uh, wholesale repository and like order it for them? Or do you have to just like cross your fingers and hope it comes in one day? No, we absolutely can order a new or used copy for our customers and are pretty capable of finding books. So um, we, we never use um, the Big A. Um, that's a personal choice of mine. So I use a, a different platform where I'm able to find books and, and get them to our customers. So we're good. You know, we always encourage the library too, the library and other books, um, brick and mortar stores and are all part of the book ecosystem, but mm -hmm. we're happy to help find that book. Even some really hard to find ones we can usually find. Well, I am interested to learn about uh, what's, what's on your uh, reading list this year. And we're going to do that in just a moment. You're listening to Newsmakers. We're talking about books today and with, uh, with Beth Hartung from Pearl Street Books in La Crosse and Barry McKnight from the La Crosse Public Library. And our conversation will continue in just a moment. If you'd like to check out a previous episode of our show or maybe you missed part of this conversation and would like to catch it again, you can find us online at WPR.org slash newsmakers. That's WPR.org slash newsmakers. Our program continues in just a moment. It's Newsmakers from Wisconsin Public Radio. This is Newsmakers from Wisconsin Public Radio. I'm Ezra Wall. We're talking with Barry McKnight and Beth Hartung, and we're talking about what we're reading in 2023. And in particular, uh, I have a, a notebook and a pen here, and I haven't made a list for 2023 yet, so I'm going to pick the brains of the experts. Um, we'll, we can, you can each give as, as many titles as, as you'd like, but just for starters, Beth, what's on your list this year? Oh, my next book that I'm going to read is called Earthlings by Sayaka Murata. She's a Japanese author who's, um, we sell a lot of works in translation at our store. And I've been just really impressed with her. I lived in Japan for 10 years, so I love Japanese fiction. And um, so, yeah, I'm really excited about this next book. I've got two of her books on my to-be-read pile. 
And then for the store, do you want me to go into the store books yeah, right now that I'm really sure. excited about? Yeah, go January? ahead. Okay. So I just recently, I'm starting to order for Black History Month. And okay. so I'm really excited about BIPOC authors. Um, we try really hard to have a, a wide selection of windows and mirrors in our store. By that, I mean that you're going to be able to pick up a book and either it'll be a mirror of your life and just kind of an affirming, really wonderful book to read, or it's going to be a, a window, a chance for you to get a look into somebody else's life or experience or something you don't know about. And so there's some great books coming up. The one that, one of them that I'm super excited about, it's a debut novel by Eleanor Shear. It's called River Sing Me Home. And it's coming out on the 31st of January. And it's a, a mother's journey in the aftermath of post-slavery through the Caribbean to find her stolen children. And it's supposed to be wow. very um, touching and inspiring. And I'm, I'm really excited about, I love reading debut novels. I think they're, it's just really fun to support these authors and um, hopefully help push them out so that they can, you know, become sustainable authors. So that's one of them that I'm excited about. It'll okay. be in our store on the 31st. And then there's one other one that I'm, it's a children's book that I'm just so so excited about it's by glenda um, Armin, and it's called the ice cream man and i had no idea who invented the ice cream that we currently eat today and i through researching to try to find children's books for black history month i found out that august jackson did and he was the cook for four presidents and he developed the recipe for the ice cream that we eat today and it's coming out as a children's book on this actually it came out today we don't have it in our store yet but we'll have it in our store next week that is amazing. What uh, that's that's really an interesting selection. And you brought up the point about um, about uh, and a lot of people think about it as Black History Month approaches. Um, but perhaps, well, not even perhaps. Uh, we we should be thinking about it all the year long. Uh, but but mm -hmm. intentionally including BIPOC authors in in what you want to read for a lot of people, we talked about the escapism. We talked about people wanting whatever is familiar and makes them comfortable and wanting to sort of get mm -hmm. away from the issues of the world. Um, Beth, how, how, how can people balance like what they need reading to be for them while also looking for opportunities to experience something new and to be intentional about those new things that they're experiencing? Yeah. I mean, personally, I, um, I will read some challenging books and then I'll read a fun book, one that's just going to not make me put too much emotional labor into it. Um, and so it's, it's really about shifting them. And like Barry said earlier, I often have two or three, four books going at a time. And there's, I just finished kind of embarrassed to say, but I just finished the underground railroad by Whitehead last night. And that was a hard read for me. I, I, um, I could only read, a little bit of it every day because it was it, it had a lot of emotional labor for me to read, but it was an important book for me to read. And so side by side, I was reading a book, um, Late Migrations, a kind of a memoir about a history of love and loss. And um, that one was it was easier for me to read and it was essays I could set down. So I encourage people to to give themselves permission to pause a book if they need to but uh, also to um, push themselves to read some things that are a little bit outside their normal range. Okay. Barry, I'm interested in learning what uh, what's on your list as 2023 gets kicked off. Sure. Um, well, you know, one of the things, uh, I mean, we'll talk about it later, that the library 
um, has been doing every year these past few years is is leading kind of a regional read uh, about maybe some larger uh, topics in our community. So a couple of years ago, we had done, uh, this was back in 2021, we did um, Waking Up White by Debbie Irving. And that was part where we worked with the Waking Up White Collaborative to do a bunch of uh, you know, programs and book chats and things like that. Last year was about climate change. This year going forward, we're still kind of in the planning stages, but we've been looking at some some titles um, and we're thinking about maybe having a regional read about mental health. So it could have a, a really a number of community conversations uh, related to that. So there's, there's one that's, um, it's coming out at the end of March that we're looking at uh, called How Not to Kill Yourself, A Portrait of the Suicidal Mind oh, uh, wow. by, Clancy, by Clancy Martin. We're um, mm-hmm. looking at that one as uh, that's sort of a darkly humorous at times, but kind of deep look at, you know, why that people might have that thought, those intrusive thoughts about death. Um Another one that we are looking at that uh, came out a couple of years ago, but I I feel like uh, might be a perfect one for our community is um, a book called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, uh, a therapist, a therapist, her therapist, and our lives revealed. You know, I think um, especially since COVID, uh, people the general I think conversations have been more open about mental health, kind of instead of. Um, it being quite so, you know, of a taboo topic. I think a lot more people are talking about it in big and small ways. And certainly, you know, there's all kinds of ways to to look at that, whether on an individual basis or how it might impact our communities. So those are two of the ones we're really kind of thinking about. I'm going to be reading both of those here in the next few weeks and okay. seeing if they're viable viable ones for a larger community read. Interesting. And, and when that is... Um... I'm I'm asking you uh, on the front end when when we get closer to that community read being launched, uh, that certainly sounds like an interesting thing to uh, talk about on Newsmakers. Just oh, I'd love for to, example. Love to. So that'd be yeah, fun. absolutely. Um, um, what about uh, what about uh, other other notable uh, offerings coming around this year? What what are you uh, what are you looking at uh, that that might be uh, on other people's reading lists for 2023? Well, you know, uh, going along with what Beth had just mentioned, um, Holson Whitehead has another book that's coming out uh, also in March, the sequel to Harlem Shuffle called uh, Crook Manifesto. Um, he's been a very popular author. Um, this one is kind of about uh, Harlem and New York in the 1970s and just some, you know, micro and macro issues and in, interpersonal relationships and larger uh, community problems and that kind of thing. So that one is, uh, I know a lot of people have been talking it, talking about it around here. You talked earlier about uh, embracing some of those uh, genre books for like from your childhood and everything and, and watching mm-hmm. the ways those genres uh, develop in this, in this area where, uh, authors and publishers and others are trying to seek uh, more ways to include different perspectives. And with this heightened awareness that we have now about representation and how much it matters and making sure that not everybody who appears in a book is the same and making sure that not every author of the book uh, is the same. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, how 
in in a genre book in something like science fiction where there is where there is so much going on there that can't even be assumed to be human or or, or what like how how does that how does that effort for inclusion and representation manifest itself in in books like that um, I would say, you know, one of the things that I found is that actually, you know, speculative fiction, so sci-fi and fantasy are often really, it seems like they're often ahead of the game in terms of, um, you know, how to sort of approach telling a story ah. in an inclusive way, you know, and in a way that's done, that's very natural. You know, I think even if you're talking about a fantasy where maybe there's, you know, um, you know, different kind of, you know, fantasy uh, uh, races and things like that. There's, uh, that's often kind of, it can be brought in. Um, I'm just thinking of a couple books right now. Like one of my favorite books that I read this last year was the black tongue thief uh, by Christopher Billman. And um, you know, it, it had some, uh, you know, it had kind of non-binary characters and things like that that um, it was just done in such a natural way that you didn't even sort of realize it, the use of respecting pronouns or just trying to bring in different perspectives. Um, That another great one, and this is a little bit of an indie one that I've been, um, I'm currently reading. It's called the dust of real R H L L by uh, J F um, Meskimen. And uh, it's sort of a dark fantasy, sword and sorcery kind of thing. But, um, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, dealing with there's uh, uh, the repercussions of drug use and, um, you know, economic divide and, and racial divides and, and also, you know, non-binary, having some characters who are non-binary in there, but just being a part of the um, not being held up as like some sort of you know, I'm, I'm doing this as like virtue signaling, just as like a, a believable, relatable character. So it becomes so natural that you're not even really, you know, if you were someone who had trouble with that, you're not going to have trouble with it, or you'll be halfway through the book and loving it. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute, I guess I was supposed to be mad about that, I guess. But there's so many, uh, there's, there's so many people uh, who write and having been in the profession that I've been in for, for 25 years and uh, getting sent just I mean, so many books over the years from you know, everything from self-published stuff mm-hmm. to uh, stuff from big publishers to stuff from regional local publishers, uh, you know, in the different places that I've, that I've worked. You can't possibly read everything. How do you decide what makes the cut? Either Barry for the library's uh, collection or Beth, we'll start with you. What makes the cut for uh, a bookstore with, with, you know, I mean, you've got a big store, but the space is finite. Right, right. And the budget is finite. Um, it's really our customers. You know, it's we usually only will buy two copies of something at a time, unless we're really confident that it's going to be a, a hit locally. Uh, and it's about, um, you know, whether it will go off the shelf. But then I really listen to our customers. So the beauty about if a customer comes in and wants to buy a book that we don't have, um we will order it and it usually will come in within a week and I'll do a little bit of research, especially if I've had two customers ask for that same title, that's really going to help me figure out what, um, what to put on the shelf. And then talking with other independent bookstores in the Midwest, relying on them for some help too, of figuring out what's, what is relevant, what is hot. Um, 
And then sometimes it's just gut. And once in a while, I'm wrong. We, we all have our own, uh, our own experiences and our own, our own biases, Mm -hmm. our own, uh, political or religious or whatever other thoughts, our own family Mm -hmm. experiences. How do you make sure that there's something for everybody? There probably isn't in my store, to be honest, Um, not everybody. Um, and that is tough, but you do want that windows and mirrors for everybody. And, and Mm -hmm. I, I will, I will go with more of the BIPOC authors, the debut novelists, writers for the new books, because I want to help support them. And then I'm really out book hunting, trying and and casting my net far and wide to try to get those used books in that are going to meet more of the everybody's, you know, anybody and everybody that's going to walk in the door. Because then I don't have as much of an investment in it. So if it doesn't ever sell, it's not such a great loss as buying a $28 hardcover new book that, you know, maybe would never sell. Does that make sense? Yes. Try to pick and choose like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Barry, really listening to customers. Barry, what what about you? Beth is Beth is talking about an environment where uh her customers can 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 order things uh and you know as a as a private business, uh, you know, she doesn't have the same sort of uh public obligation that that you do. How does the library make sure that there's something in the in the collection for that's reflective of of uh you know the diversity of views in our in our community sure um well, there's a, a couple ways i'd say one you know there's certainly um we have there's a large number of kind of uh, professional journals that have uh book reviews so we're not we're not ordering things sort of blind they're you know they get reviewed they get sort of um discussed about you know what kind of audience they may have and you know it is a it is a balance because being the largest library in the library in our library system, you know, for example, when James Patterson um, has a new book come out seemingly every week, but when there's a new book comes out, you know, we get a large number of copies because the demand for it is going to be, that initial demand is going to be, you know, insane, but that demand is going to drop off. And by the end of that year, we may have gone from, you know, having 20 copies of that book to, to two, because like, you know, now all the people who wanted it, have checked it out and this will just kind of, you know, have to balance for that idea about space. But, you know, the thing too is, I guess, is always trying to be, you know, libraries occupy this place where um, we really are trying to be that third place for everyone. And that includes our collection. So as long as something doesn't have, say, like hate speech or something like that, you know, we're not going to buy everything that's out there. But if things get requested and we do take requests we get requests all the time and we look at it so we look at is this like a is this somebody's self is this like somebody's cousin's uh self-published book that's you know uh problematic or is this just like a a book that hasn't popped up on our radar yet and you know we try to do it in an unbiased way but also that means kind of um you have to give space for some of those voices that might not be have been traditionally um accessible you know in a library so you want to you want to have an eye towards um, exposing people to new voices, wherever that may be, say a nonfiction title on the, wherever that may be on kind of the social or political spectrum. But, um, you know, you also want to have those things where people are going to come in and and uh, just that sort of comfort food aspect. So it's, it's a balancing act and we try to get as much feedback as possible. There's a form on our website. You can request titles. We'll look at it and see, well, Sometimes people don't check the broader catalog. So, well, here's a 
you know, they requested a book that they wanted us to purchase, but there's five others, you know, around the system. We're probably not going to get a copy of that. We'll instead get it transferred for them and be like, here. Um, so yeah, it's it's really kind of a continual process because we do take that that twin responsibility of of really being an unbiased, but yet still giving um, having it since it's a public square, having all kinds of voices on there, and that means also voices that had been traditionally excluded. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking to Barry McKnight, whom you've just heard. He's from the La Crosse Public Library. Beth Hartung is also with us from Pearl Street Books in La Crosse. And of course, this is Newsmakers, and our conversation will continue in just a moment. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can do so by sending me an email, newsmakers at wpr.org newsmakers at wpr.org. Let me know what you're reading this year. Let me know if there's an author you'd like to hear on the program or a topic that you'd like us to discuss. It's newsmakers at wpr.org. Our program continues in just a moment here on Wisconsin Public Radio. Newsmakers on Wisconsin Public Radio. I'm talking to Barry McKnight and Beth Hartung. Of course, I'm Ezra Wall. You can uh, get in touch with our program, as I mentioned before the break, newsmakers at WPR.org, or you can find our archive online, WPR.org slash newsmakers. Uh, we've been talking about uh, what's on your reading lists this year in 2023. Uh, as the year gets kicked off, we've uh, we've heard a little bit about uh, about what's going on, uh, what's offered at the library at Pearl Street Books, and I want to uh, put you on the spot a little bit. I'm, I we didn't talk about this ahead of time, uh, but uh, one of the things that is on my list is um, is uh, I, I'm still, you know, I put stuff in my stack of books to read, and it takes me just years to years to get through it. Um, and one thing that I want to do better uh, this year is is uh, to be more aware of of uh, who is telling stories uh, in Wisconsin and particularly in southwestern Wisconsin. So I'm looking for tips on that. Uh, Barry, Beth, I don't know who wants to go first with this, but if somebody, it doesn't have to be a new book, it can be an old book, it can be one that's coming out this year or one that came out 10 years ago. Uh, if somebody says, I want to read more Wisconsin authors and particularly more southwestern Wisconsin authors, which, wh where are we looking, Beth? Oh, Maggie Ginsberg, still true. Everyone must read that book. It's a wonderful, wonderful novel. It's her debut novel. Came out last year. Um, it's one. It's a book that just begs to be discussed with people. So I highly recommend it. She's from the Blue Mountain area. So it's, it's the the setting of the novel takes place in the Driftless region. Okay. Love, love, love her book. Good, wonderful, Barry. What what comes to the top of your mind? Well, the one that just popped up maybe most recently, and Beth, I think that he's maybe also had an author event at your bookstore, but we we had here for one of our author talks was um, uh, John John uh, Arm uh, Armbruster, uh, who wrote Tailspin. Uh, I'm reading is... that right now. Okay, I'm literally okay. reading that. He was on our show like this is how slow I am. He was on our show like a little over a year ago. And I finally am reading the book. Like I started it last week. That happens. Yeah. That happens. But you know, he, I, I guess I feel like his, there's been a lot of um, regional buzz building about that book, you know, um, uh, 
he was a very big event here. I know he's been at a lot of libraries kind of around the southwestern Wisconsin talking about uh, his work. So that's sort of a, a story. It's, uh, well, you may be able to talk about it even more so, I guess, uh, reading it. But um, kind of talking about a, a World War II veteran and sort of the trauma he had experienced. And that's paralleled by the by the author's experience kind of dealing with some uh you know, family issues and illness in his family. Yeah, he sort of he, he takes sort of a Tuesdays with Maury approach to interviewing mm-hmm. his subject over the course of time. So in the book, he's telling not only the story of uh, of Gene Moran, who's who's this former uh, former uh, Air Army Air Corps pilot uh, from Soldiers Grove, Wisconsin. He's also simultaneously in talking about his actual meetings with Moran. He's he's also recounting his his uh his uh wife's health battles and the the trauma that their family is facing as well really interesting book i'm only like 110 pages into it so don't spoil it uh one other one i kind of would like to mention and these aren't these are from the last few years ago but um there's a local author uh uh song who um she has her own publishing house called moth house press She's written a few books. She sort of uh, writes folklore, folklore and kind of horror, but inspired by, um, at least in part, by kind of the uh, folklore of her uh, heritage. In this case, um, she's uh, you know of of Asian American. She's she's Hmong as well. So kind of even like she's got a a, a series of novellas about a, a kind of a family of killers called the Butchers. Um, but it's inspired. So even though, it, but it's inspired kind of by some tales from her childhood. She's got another book called Folklore, kind of the same thing. Um, but she's one that's been getting kind of a lot of uh, attention, and they're available here at the library. So interesting, cool. Now I, I have a I have a list to go from. So good work, mission yeah, accomplished. We have so much talent in Wisconsin. Yeah. Lots of great books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I want to talk to uh, Barry. I want you to tell me about uh, all the different ways uh, people can access content through the library these days, because uh, it's just it's just astounding. I, I mentioned to you that I haven't actually been in the library in a few months because I get everything on the app and the other app. So t- tell me, sure. it, it's more than just go to the library and see what book is on the shelf, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, first, like I'd mentioned before, if it's not on there, you know, there's a fair number of folks who come in, they just sort of shelf read, look for something. But if you're looking for something specific, we do have this broad catalog that's shared with these 32 other libraries in our in our region. After that, um, like you mentioned, there's um, what's called the Wisconsin Library Consortium, where uh, libraries in Wisconsin sort of uh, buy into this ebook library or e and audiobook library. Uh, they can do this through a free app called Libby, um, and you can request titles. Uh, there's a certain number of, just like in a regular library, there's a certain number of uh, copies available in the state. So if it's something that's extremely popular, sometimes the wait list is is a little long for that. But that's really used by almost every library in the state for people to access uh, ebook titles. But there's another uh service we have called Hoopla. And these are accessible through, uh, you can find them through the um, library's website. Uh, and Hoopla, the difference between Hoopla and Hoopla has, you know, graphic novels, it has uh, ebooks, it has audiobooks and some movies, is you have a certain number of checkouts allowed per per month, per 
per user. So it doesn't matter how many people are reading the same book. You can read that book, but you can only read X number of books in that particular month. Um, those are both used quite a bit by folks. Um, so those are two of them. And then I guess lastly would be, so while we have this catalog, we share 32 libraries, we can get titles from outside our library system through what's called interlibrary loan. Um, so we can get them from, you know, uh, largely Wisconsin, but also Minnesota and some kind, sometimes Illinois. Often these are from uh, university collections or something like that. These could be, you know, fiction titles that maybe are out of print or just not widely available anymore more obscure titles, but something that might have been appearing, you know, in a larger university library or, or something along those lines. So there's a lot of different ways to access materials, however you want to do it, whether it's physical, whether it's an ebook, audiobooks, audiobooks are extremely popular. And the ones you access through uh, Libby, of course, are just electronically. So it's a download to your, to your phone, or your device, or you can just listen online. Um, and we, of course, have books on CD, but one, another thing we've just started getting uh, based off of demand, you know, not many people have CD players anymore. Um, yeah, sometimes I, people... I have one CD player in my entire life, and it is in my 12-year-old car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, I had to buy a, a DVD player so I could play CDs in my house, you know, <laughs> like it was, uh, it's not that common anymore, but yeah. there, but there's still a high demand for them. Well, uh, now, similar to what, uh, what, kids can check out it's it's basically a an mp3 player that that book the entirety of that book is put on it's called play away so you can get this title and you're kind of carrying around this little tiny device that you're plugged your headphones into and that's it so people you know there's a lot of different ways for people to access it especially given the range of um technology people have right so the stuff you can access through your tablet your smartphone your home computer your car cd player <laughs> your pocket whatever you want to have Nice. So, so Beth, I'm, I'm trying to think of a corresponding question because I know Pearl Street Books, it's not about the app or the download or anything like that. But, but uh, where, whereas a lot of people might, uh, might think of uh, an independent bookstore downtown as like, well, I'll go there and look uh, and, and they either have it or they don't. There are a lot of different ways that you uh, try to serve your customers and, and, and different avenues of getting what they're looking for. That's correct. We can order books typically, and the book will arrive within um, five to 10 days, closer to five usually. We can also uh, mail them directly to someone's home. You can buy a gift and we can send it to whoever it's to, um, have it mailed directly to them. We can also, like if you're from La Crosse, but you've moved away and still want to support your local independent bookstore, we're happy to mail it to you wherever you live. So we'll go above it. We even deliver to people's doors. So if they're not able to get out and about or not wanting to get out in the winter, we're able to send um, deliver books right to the door if you live in La Crosse. Now, you've been affiliated with the store for, for a little while. It became yours in the year. T tell, us, tell us a bit of the story of Pearl Street Books because it's an amazing little shop. It is. It's been around for over 20 years. Uh, it used to be a shoe store, and as you said, we first met up today that it, it was built for it to be a bookstore. It's just a beautiful building, historical building on downtown on Pearl Street between Kroner's Hardware and Jules Coffee Shop. Um, we're predominantly a used book store, but we have quite a few. We have more new books now in the store than what we've maybe ever had. And um, 
yeah, it's it's a beautiful space. We have a space for people to be able to sit and read now. And we can order whatever it is that you want to read. We'll help you find the book. Sometimes people come in, they're with somebody who's a reader, and they tell me they're not a reader. And I just, I I like to tell them that they just haven't found the right book yet. That, I mean, somebody tells, somebody tells an independent bookstore owner that they're not a reader. That sounds like a personal <laughs> challenge to you, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think <laughs> um, most of us, maybe we, we stopped read, reading in school because we were always assigned books that we weren't really interested in. I, I just recently, yeah. my, my son's um, partner told me she was, she didn't think she was really a reader. And, and then she, she realized that she likes nonfiction. She had been trying to read fiction and she doesn't like fiction and that's just fine. I gave myself permission about five years ago to stop a book that I wasn't enjoying. Mm-hmm. That was the best gift I've ever given myself. That's great. I used to think if I opened it, I had to finish it. You don't need to. Yeah, I, I was asking. Uh, I was asking my mother, who came home from the library with an armful of books, uh, one day this mm-hmm. week, and and I said, "Why did you get so many books? You're only going to read one of them, and then you're going to take them back." And she said, "Yeah, but I don't know which one of these is going to be good." So yeah, yeah I mean, smart. it's like That's... you you start one, it's not your bag, you know. Don't waste time on it. Go to the next thing. Absolutely. Do you, Do you remember what the like I, this might be like an even early childhood memory. Like, but do you remember the the first book that you? What, what's the what's the first book that kind of stuck in your memory? Well, I'm sure there was there's plenty before before that. But one of the things that I remember from my childhood, especially like so when I went to grade school, um, had a lot of Ripley's Believe It or Not uh, books. Yeah, okay. And this was like like it was like fifty of them in the in the elementary school library. Uh-huh. And it was that just that kind of thing of like weird little stories, strange facts. I just devoured those things as a kid. So it became like this, I don't know, it just gave, it gave me this sort of broad, broad interest. And as an adult, I really leaned into it and I'm just going to, you know, learn whatever I want to and kind of go down whatever weird little alleys of interest uh my mind will take me well some from believe it or not as as a kid as a teenager whatever it's no wonder you like you talked about having taught history before i mean that's you know sort of a pop culture version of of what you study when you study history yeah absolutely it's a good point beth what about you what's uh what's the the first book that you can remember sticking in your mind so the first book that changed my life is um, when I was in kindergarten, I was extremely shy and introverted, and I cried every day in kindergarten until my sister told my kindergarten teacher, and it was a K-12 building. So my older siblings were all in the same building, and they'd take turns walking me into the classroom trying to convince me to stay there. And my sister told my kindergarten teacher that I could read, and I don't think I could really read, but I had memorized a Dick and Jean book. And she, the teacher told me to bring it in the next day and read it to the class. And I did. I still have vivid memories sitting on her lap and reading this go dog, go book type um, book to my classmates. And it made me comfortable in the classroom. It changed my life that morning. And that's the power of books. Yeah. 
Yeah. The the first stories I ever got immersed in were the, were the the Hardy Boys and uh and and Encyclopedia oh, yeah. Brown. I don't remember which ones came first. But the first <laughs> book, it just your story oh, about yes. having memorized the book reminded me because my yes. dad my dad would come home from work and lay down on the couch and sit me up on his belly and read books to me every day after, after work. And the first book that I loved 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 was Mr. McMillican's Mountain. And uh, I memorized that book, and he would try to skip stuff, and I would catch him. You skipped a word. <laughs> Dad, you skipped a word. Go back. Start over. Ezra, that what you're describing, though, is, is the power of books and the, yeah. the community read that Barry talked about earlier on in the show, that it's an, a shared experience of books. Yeah. Books are just – it's just a – it's – it's amazing how many people come into the store and they see that cover of the Hardy Boys or um, which you know a, a, no, a Newberry book. They remember that cover and it just takes them right back to whenever it was that they read it. It's really really powerful and beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a wonderful thing, and I'm I'm glad we've been able to spend this hour talking about it on Newsmakers today. Uh, Beth Hartung from Pearl Street Books, thank you very much for uh, not only a list of great books but for your time today. Thank you for having me. Barry McKnight from the Lacrosse Public Library. Thank you also for your input into our conversation and uh, and for sharing your time. Yeah, always a pleasure. And Thank we'll, you very much. We'll talk to you again when that community read gets off the ground. Thanks. Great. Happy reading, everyone. This is Newsmakers from Wisconsin Public Radio. Kate Spranger produced today's show. Thanks a lot, Kate. Uh, if you would like to listen to our show every week, we're on 10 a.m. on the Ideas Network 90.3 in Lacrosse and 7 p.m. on Fridays on NPR News and Music 88.9. Otherwise, of course, you can always catch our archive online, wpr.org slash newsmakers. I'm Ezra Wall. Please join us again next time for another Newsmakers right here on Wisconsin Public Radio.